So it, so the more you connect with spirit, on some level, the more you con- you disconnect with the um, physical world, mm. and um, it it can be very disruptive, um, especially when when you are newly initiated or going through training at that time. So you become very heightened um, to to energy. So mm. if you you get into a room that is unclean. Um, so one of the things that I'll do is either um, I'll pray when I get into a space or if I've prepared certain herbs, then I will, I don't know what's the, the English word, but I'll spray the herbs around mm. or I'll burn incense or I'll light a candle. So clean spaces are very important um, because this body becomes so attuned mm. um, to energy. I remember when I was still in training, at some point I really, like, I couldn't hug people. And there was a point where I had to, I was facilitating um, a training session and I touched someone and my whole hand was just full of heat and I could actually feel what it is that they were feeling and I started crying and then I had to ask the other facilitator to please Mm. just take over. So there's a sense of really just being heightened um, in the world. Even my ears mm. were buzzing. It's like there's a carnival that's going on, um, a festivity. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Your Head. I'm your host, Kristal Roots, clinical psychologist and founder of Psych Central South Africa. I want to first of all, just take some time to thank each and every person who has listened to our podcast, who shared it, who has left us a lovely review. Um, I really appreciate it so much. And it's so nice for me to hear that it's been making a valuable contribution to people's lives and that you've been finding it as interesting as I have. In this episode, I have a chat with Temelichle Mashiko. Temelichle is such an interesting person, being a counseling psychologist as well as an indigenous healer. This was really such an insightful discussion that we had about traditional or indigenous healing from the African spirituality perspective. We discussed Temelichle's own personal journey, some of the myths about traditional healers or traditional healing, what it looks like in terms of our mental health and our psychological functioning, as well as how she juggles these different roles in her practice as a psychologist. Timberlichle has a psychological and spiritual practice in Sundowner, and she also works at Psych Central in Rosebank. She works with a diverse range of clients on understanding their spirituality and psychological functioning. She also writes on healing and in an integrated way, and gives presentations on African spirituality and healing. In addition, she has lectured and supervised other psychologists as well. If you want to know more about Psych Central or Timberlichle and the services that she offers, you can visit our website on psychcentral.co.za. You can also follow us on your preferred social media platform, where our handle is Psych Central South Africa for TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube.
All right, Timelichle, thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited about this discussion today. Um, let's start off with just your journey with traditional indigenous healing and and maybe how this all started for you. <laughs> Tell me about that. Okay. Um, so, um, Christelle, it's so good to be here. Um, so, my story, I can say, in this lifetime... <laughs> Um, I always start with the story around my husband because um, we met when we were 16. And I said to him, at some point in time, if you want to carry on with me and make me your wife, I have an ancestral calling that I will need to attend to. And then he said, okay. We both didn't know what that meant, mm. um, actually. But... If I remember back even to my childhood, um, I used to struggle a lot with dreams. Back then it seemed like nightmares um, because when you're a child and you, you see the kinds of things that spiritually gifted people see, it can be quite scary. And if there isn't anyone kind of making sense um, for you and helping you navigate things, things are incredibly overwhelming. Um, I grew up with my grandmother and my grandfather, and my mom was working in Durban. Um, so I had my own room, which I shared um, with our helper. But the nightmares became so consistent that at some point my bed was moved into my grandparents' room because it became so unmanageable. How old were you at the stage? Around eight. Okay. Um, yeah, around eight, nine. That's when, um, from what, from my memory, um, things really intensified then. So my grandmother, when um, I started high school, she became um, a traditional healer, um, and it's it's a. It's a matter of putting fragments together because it was like when I started and finally um, accepted the calling, my, my aunt um, is still alive. My mom passed on. So I would go back and ask my aunt, so what does this mean? What, what, what happened when? And she would say that um, we did so many processes for you as a child asking for the ancestors um, to give you a chance to finish primary school, <laughs> give you a chance to finish high school um, because you were struggling so much um, with the messages and the intensity and just generally how you were as a child. Um, yeah, so I'd struggle with rage. I'd struggle with um, anxiety, and then the dreams. Um, at some point, she said we had to go and do a process um, in the wartime, also asking them that, you know, now is not the time. Um, please, can you give her a chance? So I also think that um, my grandmother accepting her calling in her late 50s was also part of giving this child the chance to at least grow up. So I, I grew up in a, in a very eclectic environment, um, Zulu, mm -hmm. very cultural. 
at the same time, we went to the Methodist church. Um, I was part of the choir, Sunday school, any kind of activity <laughs> that um, involved the church. I was a part of that. And then there'd be ceremonies at home, we'd be burning in Beppo, um, we'd do protective rituals, there would be healers um, in our house, and then, of course, also my grandmother um, then became a healer. But it was also scary for me then, seeing her transition to the grandmother that I knew to slightly someone who I, I didn't know. And... Um, didn't quite know how to navigate the space with her, I don't think she also knew how to navigate it with me mm. while also dealing with the, with the shared loss. Um, I'd lost my mother um, and she'd lost her first daughter. So it was a very kind of <laughs> complicated time. And, and what would happen is that there would, there'd be cycles um, so at some point, I, I struggled with womb issues. I then later learned, well, actually, <laughs> it can also manifest in, in that way, that when there's, there's blockages spiritually, mm -hmm. um, the, the blockage can come out in your body, whether it is um, issues with cysts, issues with fibroids, and sometimes fertility. So in my late teens, 19, um, sort of 20, um, I had now womb issues. Um, but when I went to, to Western doctors, they obviously treated as much as they can, but these things would just keep coming back. Um, and then I went on my own and um, sought help from a healer um, who also then said, look, the time is coming um, and you need to attend to this. Um, it can get so bad that it might even impact your fertility. Oh, well, there was no one else um, at that point who was an adult that I felt comfortable with navigating the journey with. So I would like, I moved from the Methodist church, I went to the Zionist church, and then eventually I went to a charismatic church. And that's where I was for like about 10 years as a born again Christian. And then I did my, my training um, as a psychologist and everything kind of, you know, was okay. But what I did notice about myself was that I couldn't shake off clients. Um, I'd sleep at night, I'd dream about them. Um, sometimes even my supervisor would say to me that it seems like you, you don't even need to conceptualize um, much around clients you kind of just know um what is happening mm -hmm. with them and uh, yeah a, a part of it was true but i still like no <laughs> this can't be the thing so one of the things that then just happened i think two two particular things i was starting to teach um at a, a college for for psychology students and then when I was teaching, I would get um, almost interruptions in my thoughts. And I would really struggle to explain even the most basic of concepts. Um, and I'm an intelligent person. So 
this really, really worried me. I was fighting with my husband, who is an incredible, he's a sweetheart. <laughs> so I would pick <laughs> fights out of me. So nowhere. that's abnormal. <laughs> no, that's abnormal. <laughs> um, and then I would have this, this urge to run away. And um, I don't know run away too, but the only place that I could think of was going home and home near the ocean um, and almost like emerge myself in the ocean. And I couldn't understand that. And it would become very, very bad that I would take the, the, the car and leave. And I had a little two-year-old at that time. And I remember telling our nanny that I need to go. I need to go. Um, and I was crying. And then the dreams started intensifying. I would see um, traditional healers showing up in my dreams. I would see dreams of bodies of water. I would see um, snakes, which in and of themselves um, are a representation of spirituality at times. So all these signs were now there and I could no longer... Um, ignore them and then I said to my husband I think it's time how old were you at this stage 33 okay wow yeah 33 so it's it took a long that long time yeah 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 so then I my uncle who had then now also become a healer um started to help me out um, because you need particular herbs so that the ancestors can speak more clearly in your dreams around your direction. Um, you need particular clots, you need particular beads um, to help navigate, but also help to um, restore things and for some level of homeostasis to happen so that you're functioning in the world, not trying to run away all the time. Um but my husband struggled because he didn't grow up from such an environment. So then I had to change direction um, and kind of stop uh, my relationship with my uncle. And I spoke to his ancestors, uh, my husband's ancestors, and I said, this is what is happening in our lives. Um, this calling of mine or how I'm attending to it at this point is creating a split in our marriage. And I don't want that. I love this guy. Mm. <laughs> and I want our family to function. Yet I also re recognize and realize that my ancestors also need me to do particular work. So please can you show us <laughs> someone who can help us and also speak his language? Um, and then I remember dreaming about hills and a particular route to go to. And then I told him, and then he then told his father that she dreamt about this particular place. And then he's like, oh, okay, no, that's, um, that's my hometown. Wow. Um, and so, yes, I can help you find someone from there. And we did find someone from there. And it just then made things so much better for us in terms of merging our worlds, but also understanding what is happening with me and also what is happening with him spiritually, um, which subsequently then led me to my um, training here in Joburg, 
with another healer, which is also another story mm. about how how that kind of um, happened. And so, wow, okay, that, I'm, I'm absorbing everything that you're saying. Tell me a bit about the training. What was that like for you? It was scary. Mm. Um, it was very emotional. Um, it was very intense. Um, and there's a lot of things that are sacred and that are shared with the initiates at different points in time. Because if certain things are shared before time, like <laughs> we'd run for the hills. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you kind of gradually prepared for things and introduced to things. Yes, yes. Um, I think there were 12 of us in that group. So you're not only trying to like understand your own spirituality and the particular languages in which your ancestors are speaking, also have to deal with group dynamics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, sharing space with with people because we had to be away um, from our families, um, away from the children. Um, and there's also no touching. So you can't touch other people. They can't touch you. No hugging, nothing. Um, and abstinence and uh, restrictions in diet and waking up in the morning um, to pray, to speak to your ancestors, to eat herbs, to cleanse with cold water and then the drums around four. Um, so we are dancing to the drums and then those who have to go to work, then have to go to work. Those who could stay behind, you stay behind and you make beads, you cook, you clean, um, you look after the homestead and um, you try and connect as much as possible with your ancestors. So like three hour cycles, you are praying, um, you are communing, you are doing certain different things um, in order to connect. And then you're also seeing clients um, spiritually because we had to be trained um, mm. to do that too. Um, and Is that then worth, sorry, worth another healer because yes. you're being trained? Yes. Okay. It is under the supervision of um, who we called our Kobela. There were two of them, um, a, a woman and a, and a male. They were both referred to as Babas, um, fathers, because in that institute they were they were particularly strong with initiating male ancestors, masculine energy, um, and so forth. So that's who they were called. And then they would supervise us or have um, older um, Sangomas who are still part of the institution um, training and supervising us. Okay. Mm. So tell me a bit about, Timilihi, you, you mentioned that you get different kinds of healers yes. as well. Yeah. Maybe tell me a bit about that and, and when you realize what kind of healer you'll become or is that is that prior to the training? Is that during the training or mm. where does that happen? So, um, sure. So the different kinds of healers that um, we have are generally called prophets, um, 
Um, so those who have the, the, the gift of foresight, but who also use prayer, mm-hmm. also use candles, who also use water um, and salts. Um, some of them are located within church spaces. Um, and then depending on how, what is it, um, on the, the Christian paradigm which they operate in, um, then that dictates how they work in the world. Mm. So you'll have um, prophets in a charismatic church. They just won't operate probably like how a prophet in a Zionist um, church will operate with kind of more concrete tools that they use to heal and um, and intercede with people. So those will also lay the hands um, and will use the Bible um, as a way of connecting. Then we have um, Izangoma, which are traditionally like earthy, fiery um, spirits. They usually appear with the, with the red cloths, red, black, and white um, kinds of colors, um, and uh, sometimes often struggle with a lot of rage. Um, some of them, if not most of them, use bones, okay. um, which are different like animal bone parts, um, dice and shells and, and different things um, from the earth, um, from contemporary society, and also depending on what their um, sort of ancestors are saying that they should use. So they often use the bones. Um, and then we have <laughs> prophets. Um, then we have Iznyanga. Mm-hmm. Izinyanga are herbalists. Um, so this herbal knowledge is often passed on from family member to family member to family member. However, because there's been this breakage in terms of passing on family knowledge, some of those who are gifted wudubunyanga sometimes have to go to training institutions to um, re-invoke or wake up that family knowledge. And sometimes a person can have all three of that gifting or operates with one or two um, of those gifting things. We have, I, I'm, I'm, I've discovered here in, in Gauteng that there's a, what they call Igela, um, who really kind of works with magical herbs. So if there's been instances of witchcraft, that kind of person will do like a wizard. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> we'll we'll do um, that kind of work, and and all these different kinds of giftings are initiated in in particular ways. Okay. Yeah. So so you would go for different initiation processes and training. Yes. Based on that. Yes. Yes. And so, where are you classified? What kind of healer <sighs> are you? So. In in my in my institution, um, we trained all three: um, the gift of Abatandazeli, those that pray, Ubungoma, um, Sangoma, and then um, the Ubunyanga. So I can do all three um, of those. But there's also things that happened after I was released, Ngatwasa. And I left Epeshweni, which is the institute, um, where then my ancestors 
showed me particular ways of of how to be in the world and how to treat people. Um, so then I left my bones um, because it was no longer the medium that was useful mm. for me. So I could then start um, channeling information um, from the ancestors or other people's like spiritual guides, depending on whether I've lit a candle um, or there's water, or actually there's just a message, a really kind of urgent message that is coming from the other side. <laughs> mm. Then, Like would, a medium. Yeah, like a medium. Okay. So then I would get like, so if you like, um, you are sitting there, so I'll get mess- like pictures behind you kind of showing up. So then I'll say, for instance, oh, okay, I see a white dove. Um behind you you know what what does that mean for you is it meaning like um, a sense of peace a sense of you know you needing to let go of certain things um and then if it resonates we'll go deeper in into the messaging around that dove appearing or maybe it might be your grandfather who mm-hmm. then shows up okay grandfather's missing you um when was the last time you had just a meditation or conversation Mm. with your grandfather Mm. (laughs) so those are the kinds of messages that that appear and then um if there's a healer i'm seeing a healer in the room then it will be messages around their um ancestors and maybe their healing practice and how to awaken that um so that they're feeling a bit more lighter in the world and don't struggle um with sickness with blockage um or whichever ways in which there are manifestations of not really, really listening, mm. hearing, or living holistically in mm. the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, maybe from your personal experience, and, and also obviously you, I can hear you have so much knowledge about this, so I guess you're also interacting with so many people that's had different experiences. Mm. How does this the process of being called to be a traditional healer being in this whole training space and everything that you have to endure because it seems like quite a lot that you go through just as a human being. Yeah. What's the impact that that has on you as a person psychologically? I'm, I'm wondering emotions, psychologically functioning and adapting. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's so many things, but yeah. what, what are your thoughts about how that impacts someone's functioning? So it, so the more you connect with spirit, on some level, the more you con- you disconnect with the um, physical world, mm. and um, it it can be very disruptive, um, especially when when you are newly initiated or going through training at that time. So you become very heightened um, to to energy. So mm-hmm. if you, you get into a room that is unclean. Um, so one of the things that I'll do is either um, I'll pray when I get into a space or if I've prepared certain herbs, then I will, I don't know what's the, the English word, but I'll spray the herbs around mm. or I'll burn incense or I'll light a candle. So clean spaces are very important um, because this body becomes so attuned mm. um, to energy. I remember when I was still in training 
at some point I really like I couldn't hug people and there was a point where I had to I was facilitating um a training session and I touched someone and my whole hand was just full of heat and I could actually feel what it is that they were feeling and I started crying and then I had to ask the other facilitator to please mm. just take over so there's a sense of really just being heightened um in the world even my ears mm. were buzzing it's like there's a carnival that's going on um a festivity and then and then also just trying to when you're trying to make sense of who you were to who you are now going to be but you don't really have a full picture of what it is or who you are going to be um in the world there's a fragmentation mm. um of self so i remember at some points i was like okay what do i hold on to does this mean that i'm letting go forever um on on the person that i was and now i'm accepting um in a sense these other selves um which are my spiritual guides um my gifters because i also just need to differentiate between that because okay. i have blood ancestors like my mom my grandmother my grandfather etc but those people are not um except for my grandmother not necessarily those who are coming with healing gifts mm. um for me most of um i would say my gift bearers i i don't know them in this physical world they show up and then i have to understand who they are and sometimes they tell me maybe how far back in the bloodline wow <laughs> they come from so i'll like i'll give you an example there was um i used to struggle with rage <laughs> and i used to think like if anyone were to do anything to me you know who's going to come out the winner me <laughs> like like i used to think i was a warrior yeah and then I understood when this one particular gift bearer came out um while I was still in training and said that he is he came through my body he is Mpiyengwe which is the war of the tiger and he said that he comes back from like I could see all these mountains and not really much civilization you could even say maybe it was shaga's time he's like i'm a commander um i lead armies and this is who i am and my body was just full of this energy that there were about maybe 20 other sangomas in the room and they stepped back because i could have hurt them and then there was um um an older male one with was very strong he held me down wow yeah um so i lost my train of thought <laughs> i also got lost in this so, now yes. with you so you, you were telling about the different the, your ancestors and then the yes what i was also then saying um the fragmentation of self yes. right that you carry these different people with you mm. and you have to find a way to integrate bienwe into this particular personality mm. the mother personality which is tembelihle mashigo um without 
you know, giving away too much of myself. They are heightened in particular post-training and if there's certain things that need to be attended to. But after some time, it's like when you first start driving, it's very difficult mm. and things you have to be very conscious about. But after some time, it becomes part of the unconscious. Maybe I'll, I'll see him, okay, just appearing at the corner of my eye. And maybe I can feel like a, si a slight temperature increase in my body. It comes with heat. Mm. And I'm like, okay, and just need to tune in a little bit. Mm. And then um, I can listen to what he needs to say. But before, it wasn't like that. Mm. It could disrupt our conversation. Completely, yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, so those were some of the, the, the adjustments that I, I had to do. And it was also stressful mm. for, for my family. Um, I relied on my, my, my Gobela, but also other initiates um, that we became close to for support um, and my husband. But it was incredibly hard. And my therapist um, to just deal with this hectic change that has happened in in me mm. and within my family. Yeah. That was one of my questions to you, Timely Hlears. What role does psychology play in this um, process that people go through? And, and you mentioned now seeing a therapist. Mm. Tell me a bit more about that. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to say her name, but... Um, I started seeing her in the, I think, my second year mm. um, of varsity. So I think we have a, a relationship. It's ended now, but it spanned over 10 years. Mm. Um, so I also told her that I, I need to start preparing um, for accepting my calling. And what I what I didn't know then was that she'd be such a <laughs> an angelic and really kind of in tune um, type of person that should make my my journey much more easier because I I um, first contacted her to deal with grief, um, but then I, I discovered that she later on in our uh, um, therapeutic journey she loved crystals she loved in engaging in spiritual mm. elements so when i was talking about visions when i was talking about hearing voices she did not make me feel weird mm. um she supported me the only thing that she would often be concerned about was obviously my well-being if mm. we're not sleeping enough if there's particular disruptions in my relationships, so how do we get things restored? If I'm generally just overwhelmed, um, she was there to to help me along and and really provide a lot of support. Um, I did struggle a lot with um, depression and anxiety, and also in anxiety, just general according to psychological things. Um, but also what I didn't know then was that sometimes when an ancestor would come through, it would feel like a panic attack. Mm. Um, I only discovered that later. Okay, you need to breathe through this and actually tune in mm. and listen. Because it's like, it's like air, a lot of air coming into your body and then you have to regulate and then tune in. 
um, to what spirit is saying. Um, so she was very, very helpful um, in my journey. So a lot of containing, a lot of a lot. just helping to really process all of this that you experiencing. Because I'm just thinking as you're talking, it's so much information. Um, I often try and also think about our emotions and our experiences being information to us that mm. we we it, it tells us something about ourselves. But this whole process seems like it's really a tuning into what's my what's my body telling me what's my what is this experience maybe telling me all of your senses it's just an overload of so many information that you are receiving from these different channels and having to be able to integrate all of that and kind of regulate it to go okay slow down here don't get overwhelmed what is this saying not trying to get away from a panic attack for example but being able to ex go through it and experience it, um, mm. I can mm. imagine that that's that's quite a lot that you'll you'll learn over time. Obviously, yeah. how yeah. to navigate that for yourself. Yeah, it it. I mean, it was quite a lot, and also what I I really appreciated about. Um, my person. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pause there for a second. Yeah. Yes, my person is that. There was some point in time where I did channel information during our session and um, I, I kind of like went into a bit of a dozy, dozing off kind of space because um, sometimes it comes with yawns and then just like um, a slight bit of exhaustion. It's like you're traveling to another realm. And then I saw her dog <laughs> in the therapy space. Oh my word. <laughs> Her dog. Her dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit weird, but I think um, there's a dog here and and this is what the dog is showing me, blah, 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 blah. And then and then I was like, okay, um, yeah, so how do you feel about that? She's like, thank you for the messages. Mm. And um, really just affirming mm. what what I had said. So when you do have a healer or you you um on a therapeutic relationship with a healer there's there's also just the need to be less boundaried yeah as a psychologist um so that they can also show up in different ways mm -hmm. um for you mm -hmm. um which is not really right what we were taught um, yeah. in terms of how to be mm. in the therapeutic space. Um, so it was, um, it was an interesting navigation um, mm. once I, I had initiated and, and what that meant for our therapeutic relationship. But like, as I said, it, it, she was quite fluid. Um, and then, of course, there was a time when I, when I, I had to end with her um, but also it had to do because she was relocating. But I also felt that I had outgrown mm. um, our space. And then I had to find someone else mm. um, who then helped me through another process um, around dealing with, with trauma. Because um, sometimes ancestors come through and they're very, very traumatized. What what perhaps is often not communicated is that when 
there have been generations of people within your family line who are not accepting of you as an ancestor, how incredibly painful um, that can be. Mm. And that pain sometimes is often within this physical body and can come out as depression because there's a, a grandmother crying or there's a gogo crying or there's someone who's crying and those tears are unacknowledged. And then there's an overflow um, to whoever is the recipient um, of those messages at that point in time. Mm-hmm. How do we distinguish this from in Western medicine from yes. psychosis? Yeah. Because you've mentioned um, hearing things, a lot of these seeing things, visions, um, a lot of these different people that you are integrating into yourself. Mm. Um, and, and if people don't have understanding about this, it, it, it's very easy to just go like, you need to go to a psychiatric clinic and you need to be put on antipsychotics. And, and I wonder what that even does to someone when they shouldn't actually be treated for psychosis and yes. then they are treated for psychosis. Um, yeah, what, what happens in instances like that, Timulikle? So I can, I can speak of two, and it's snippets um, of conversations that I'd had with um, people that I've treated. So the one, um, I'd done a consult and I, and I said to her, and I didn't even remember, she only reminded me this year. Um, and I said to her, you're not supposed to take any psychiatric medication mm. Because when you take psychiatric medication, it's going to block your dreams and you're not going to receive messages. So you're shutting off that part of your information source, basically. Yes. And she then later confirmed with me and she'd started taking medication um, that actually you were right, by the way, when you said that Mm. I do not dream anymore. And I said, no, okay, that's that's fine. Because we are all on our different healing journeys. Mm. I can't pressure her or force mm. her. Um, there was someone else who had been institutionalized um, three times um, because he was also hearing voices and seeing things. Um, and then one night his grandmother woke him up. Um, and I think that was his last visit. And, and said to him, why are we here? What are you doing here? Mm. We need to leave. Um, And then he went um, to initiation school after that. Um, But that person was also needing psychological help and um, spiritual kinds of help. Mm. Um, So I like to use a, a process of triangulation or getting affirmation um, from different resources. So families usually have information Mm. um, about who did what in the past. Sometimes that information is suppressed and silenced, um, but sometimes with a lot of digging, there is often a history of a person having someone or people in their lineage um, who are gifted hear things, see things, lay hands, you know, do the works. Mm. Um, there's also the, the, the connection around dreams. 
um, what particular dreams are communicating and sometimes even showing the person where um, or the person, yeah, the person who's supposed to be their trainer. So I had that. Um, sometimes... I, I also suggest that people, you know, we work, we must work in multidisciplinary teams. Because mm. if there isn't um, a source of that knowledge within a team that is located in Western modalities, surely they should be referring mm. to a healer yes. who can do a proper assessment of what is actually happening um, with this person because some people are generally um, suffering from psychiatric illnesses mm. that either need to just be treated with um, within the Western modality or sometimes it's a complementary um, treatment on multiple worldviews. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I can just imagine that it's, uh, I'm actually sitting and thinking in the ideal world, traditional healers should almost be a part of the multidisciplinary team at at a psychiatric facility mm -hmm. where it's necessary and where it's relevant because at my, with my time at Stadquintain, there were so many um, inpatients there that I can think of now where we used to joke and, and say, um, like we... <laughs> It would be so strange if there's a group and all of the Jesuses met each other yeah. because um, there, there were so many patients who had grandiose delusions mm. of I'm the son of, of God, I'm Jesus. And, and when they're obviously treated, that's part of their psychosis, then, then those delusions fade away. But there were multiple people who had, it's a very common belief that I'm, I'm Jesus and I've been sent um, to earth for for specific things mm -hmm. and there were also a lot of clients who would um or patients who would have grandiose delusions of i'm a traditional healer mm. which becomes such a tricky thing because the psychiatrist can initially say no this is their grandiosity um or their delusion of grandiose that they have these special powers but then they might actually have yes so so that assessment part seems to be crucial for people to really explore and not just necessarily do a, let's just have a history, is this in your family? Because you also might be the first person in your family exactly. that's now presenting with us. Somewhere there was a first. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, it is very important. I, I think you, UKZN um, had done a study where they had a, a traditional healer as part of their referring space, mm. um, and in and in some ways it works. So, but I don't know if they they continued um, with with that kind of work because it is important. What and and there are multiple ways, right, of 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 working through this. And and what I'm seeing um, more of these days is either psychologists. Um, who are receiving and accepting their, their calling or other kinds of medical practitioners mm. um, who are coming within the hospital clinic and healing spaces with another lens. Yes. Um, however, sometimes it is the institutions mm. um, that struggle to fully um, accept mm 
people in 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 their holistic sense of of healing um in in their holistic sense of navigating the world so that you you'll actually find that in the team there is a nurse mm. who has a um andumba um or a healing hut um healing space in her home mm. but she doesn't use it in in the clinic because it's not allowed yeah or you might hear instances of clients maybe a client has come to me before and said well actually it was the nurse um who whispered in my ear and said maybe you should go and consult a healer mm. um because i feel like there's something that's mm. much more deeper that you need to look into mm. now imagine if it wasn't whispers in the ears yes it was just open conversations mm. between multiple practitioners mm. on how to fully attend to the needs of our clients mm. um things would be much better i would think mm. Mm. but i think that that's why it's something that's so important to advocate for and that's why even a, a discussion like this is so important to be um held and to be shared with people so that there's there's movement towards more awareness and understanding um i'm kind of thinking now that maybe we need to also just touch on some of the the myths that's out there and some of the stereotypes that people have about traditional healers mm-hmm. that can really actually keep them from getting the help that they need we are mad <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> we've all seen the posters <laughs> on the underneath the bridge. Yes. Yeah. We we are mad um and then there's also the we we are fake um mm. we are opportunists um what do I mean what do the posters underneath the bridge speak to you? <laughs> Well, there's always the posters underneath a bridge that that's that well that I see that's for penis enlargement, for example. And then that becomes the reference that people have is, oh wow, so it's just this con artist that's mm. telling people, come to me and then I'm going to improve your sex life and things are going to be so different. I'm going to physically change your appearance and help like, help you find a lost lover. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the lost lover ones. Those are perfect examples. Of course. And of course there are opportunists um in mm. in each and every space that mm. that we work in. And and I think there are also some un, unethical practitioners mm. um who will say that this is what I do and actually not do that or even actually um I mean I work with light and love. I work with healing people. I do not create things that make people sick or make people act in ways that are beyond their character or kind of not within their consent there are others who do those things mm. um which are yeah i would feel unethical so sometimes people are scared to consult because they don't know yeah what kind of energy that person is working with so are we leaning into darkness right but there's also then the 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 impacts of colonization of apartheid um of even christian paradigms mm. um that view um kind of western spirituality i mean african spirituality broadly or multiple indigenous systems as things of the dark arts of yeah. worshiping idols 
of etc. So so people really struggle with um, dislocating or removing themselves from that kind of brainwashing about who they are. Mm. Um, so there's there's that, and then like um, oh we are we are dirty people. So sometimes people I was at a conference and I ended up um, and then I talked about African spirituality and. Um, a teacher said, "I don't. Why? What? Why do they keep on calling you Gogo, Gogo, Gogo?" Um, um, and then she's like, "Oh, when you actually started talking and putting on um, your cloth, then I realized that you're actually a spiritual healer." But like, I wouldn't say that you are a spiritual healer. And then I'm like, "So, what do people like me mm. look like?" Mm. Um, and and some of the stereotypes are that we're dirty. Um, we live in, in, in foreign places, um, outside of our communities. We're always walking barefoot, um, always seeing things and, you know, like kind of talking um, of spirits. We don't work. We are not professionals. Um, and, and, and I think something even <laughs> that I've heard before and, and that I've always wondered about is, even the process of being trained, um, there's this this idea also that it's quite dangerous and that that it's not responsible or that people die and that there's all of these things, but mm. but it's not necessarily the case. Well, so it's not the case. No, so I'm, so I am going to say that I call them syndicate mm. um, um, institutions where. You go for healing and um, you don't get that healing. Mm. And sometimes, yes, you can come out sick. Mm. Um, I haven't heard of people dying. And that's why I always say that when it is shown to you or you perhaps decide to go to a particular institution or a gobela or a trainer, do your research. Mm. Don't just go into a place mm. and not know what's happening there. And how do people know who they need to see and consult with just like on a individual basis, not necessarily for them to be trained, but mm. for them to consult with a healer because it's not governed by a body like the HVCSA, which psychologists are governed by, mm. um, where you can actually go to and make sure that this is an accredited person so how do you find a healer? Yeah, so um, what, what I often say in terms of finding a healer, number one, pray. Mm. <laughs> I, I do believe in God, so I'll always go back to God and I'll always go back to ancestors. Pray and then speak to your ancestors that I need help and assistance with this. Please, can you show me a healer? Look at your network. Um there's usually someone in the family um, who knows a good healer. So that's also a referral system. Okay. Sometimes even friends mm. are, are a source of referral. Mm. What you can also do um, if you are just like kind of um, not impulsive, but not too scared of things, you can actually try out different healers. Mm. What is important is that there's usually a triangulation of information. So if someone is saying something that's just like, nah, so off, then you know that according to all these other things that I've heard, 
this person really seems mm. quite off. So for instance, um, for people who, who, who get the ancestral calling, some people don't have to go um, to initiation schools. Their ancestors will do the work for them. So if you get a healer who says, no, you have to go and initiate with a gobela or come and train with me, then know that that person is not for you. So never take any herbs or any kind of medication or anything that is given to you if you are not trusting or do not feel comfortable within that space. So I've had people come to me who've maybe consulted two or three times. And then I'm shown that um, you actually were not comfortable with maybe going to pray in the water because there was something in you that knew that that's not the right thing for you. Mm. So you also have to use your body mm. um, to sense danger, discomfort, and really question. Um, and if there's someone who's pressuring you to do certain things, take a pause, mm. pray, meditate, reflect, talk to people in your community. Never make hasty decisions mm. um, around healings, just like going for an operation. Yeah. <laughs> You're not just going to go with the first suggestion that someone necessarily no, makes. Yeah. You're not. Um, so those, those are the kinds of ways um, in which people navigate. And I've also navigated um, the space in terms of healing. Okay. Yeah. How do you um, navigate this journey of being a traditional healer and a psychologist? Maybe mm -hmm. just tell me a bit about that. Do people consult with you for one or the other or is it a combination of both? Maybe just tell me a bit. I just want to also check the time for us. Yeah. Okay. So it is a, it's a combination. Mm -hmm. Some people just come for therapy work um, and they will you know, and we'll discuss what therapy work um, looks like within a kind of strictly psychological um, paradigm. Other people will come to me for psycho-spiritual work. So I know I need therapy. I need help with people in this world. <laughs> because we all do. <laughs> right? But then I also know that there's spiritual things um, that I need to attend to and also just need a, a language on, on how to navigate things spiritually. So it can even be like, dude, you need to go back home and do a little Thanksgiving ceremony because you are ungrateful. You don't say <laughs> thank you <laughs> to your ancestors, you know, um, and finding out kind of what works for you. Um, so that is um, helpful for some people in, in, in that way. Some people love nature and hiking and going swimming. And I have to remind them mm. um, of, of who they are and, and actually what activates um, their spiritual life. Because sometimes we get so kind of, we have a narrow vision um, on what spirituality is about. It's about bringing in the plant mm. um, in this room, bringing in the candles, going up for nature, dancing, hiking, whatever. Mm. As long as, you know, there's something that happens um, to you spiritually that then feeds this person that is living here in the world. 
Um, and then obviously it goes in, in different kind of needs um, that, the pe- that the people have. Sometimes it's just for spiritual um, consultation. Things are off and I'm not sure what is happening. Mm. So I'll have to speak to their guides um, and just understand like, like what is off, mm. what is happening, how can I assist? Um, and then sometimes they'll need herbs um, to cleanse them spiritually or they'll need like protective rituals. Um, it depends on the message mm. that is being communicated. I will not. Um, so if someone is coming for me, uh, to me for strictly psychological therapy, I won't pressure them. Mm. Um, to say, hey, your goggles appeared now. Hey, <laughs> let's have a talk about yes. that. Um, I will note it down. Mm. Um, and 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 it's 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 actually quite easy to 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 integrate um, spirituality. So maybe in the next session or a few sessions down, okay, tell me about your broader sort of family network. Mm. Um, maybe they've been talking about their mother and their father the whole time. Okay, so what about your grandparents? Mm. Um, what What is happening there? Okay, so you had this, um, okay, Oma, who really, really loved you. And then the client will start welling up. But then that already yeah. is something of a spiritual connection. And then mm. they'll come back and say, oh, I dreamt of my grandmother. Mm. Um, but I haven't like pressured them mm. or said, no, your grandmother's up here. No. I just actually think it's such a beautiful thing to to incorporate. And, and I think that that's what we often miss in Western medicine or in this medical model that we follow is that we are holistic human beings. Mm. And so you can't really separate the spiritual from the psychological. And I think that there's so many clients that often goes to therapy and and therapy shouldn't be a religious thing, but mm. we need to also distinguish between religious and spiritual mm-hmm. because then there's clients sitting that actually have the need and it would be so beneficial to just explore that a bit with them, mm-hmm. not impose your beliefs on them, but help them to understand their own spirituality. But because we are trained so much that we need to stick to this medical model, we don't even ask questions about that. We completely disregard that part of someone's functioning, Mm. which is actually such an integral part of their healing and of them just connecting with themselves. And so I think it's, it's very important that we we learn how to do that more as, as psychologists. Yeah, it's very, I, I find it very exciting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, especially when when a person has not made those connections at that level and, and they can actually make it for themselves. Mm. Like the example of the grandmother. Oh, I actually didn't realize that I, some of my sadness is because I miss my grandmother and I actually, we don't even talk about mm. her and the kind of relationship that I I had mm. with her. Mm. And that's, yes, that I feel is something simple. But, you know, sometimes if you just stick rigidly to a particular paradigm, there's some gems um, that you miss out on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Timothy, we're 
we're at the end of our session, but I want to just also quickly touch a bit on on this or ask you about it. I think we probably need to do a another session later to really fully talk about it. But I want to just talk a bit about or ask you about dreams and symbolism because mm-hmm. it seems like that's such a big part mm-hmm. of um what people might experience and whether it's messages to them or them being called to be healers um how do how do we interpret that how do people understand that or what's like is there a guidebook for what <laughs> what does these symbols mean um just tell me a, a, a very brief headline about that <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, we could say so much about dreams. Um, and there, there are particular categories um, that we do use um, as traditional healers mm-hmm. um, that if um, a particular dream um, comes up, then there's a direction to do a particular thing. So I'm going to give you maybe one or two examples, and they might be a bit icky. So the one example, if a person dreams of water, Mm-hmm. Um, but the water is muddy and it is maybe dirty or filthy or whatever. Um, that is usually an indication that spiritually they need to cleanse. Okay. Okay. So, and and you can give different uh, sort of remedies, but I often use um, salts, um, aloe. Um, and if there's anything kind of specific, there's also like hardcore herbs. <laughs> magical herbs (laughs) um, to cleanse and detox the body. And so if they have those dirty water dreams or so, and and then if that is cleared, then they'll start having dreams with like just clear water. If um, a person dreams of feces, Mm -hmm. what we, and it's repetitive, um, and there's other sort of symbols and things and indicators um, that will point to istrito in their lives, um, which is something that makes you repulsive um, to other people. That is also an indication that, okay, this person needs uh, has istrito, um, they also need to be cleansed or needs to be addressed um, mm-hmm. in, in particular ways. Um but I mean, you can also look at it, um, you know, kind of psychologically, what does water represent for you? Um, and what has happened to me, I know that uh, sometimes when I dream of, of water, especially big waves, I'm like, oh, gosh, there's going to be like some kind of emotional upheaval um, that comes up. Um, or I'm really going to like I'm really going to be tested. So I need to be strong um, and anchored. Um in, in my life because this this period of, of turmoil mm. is is coming up. So so dreams are really meaningful. Um and I like to for some clients in particular, okay, so so what happened in your dreams? Mm. Um and some clients just generally just bring it up. I had this dream. Yeah. And it was like this. And then I'll ask, okay, so what does this mean for you? And they'll interpret it in their particular ways. Um, so, for instance, one person said to me, I feel like I'm this little ship um, in the ocean. And uh, things are just too much. And then I was like, okay, but what if you are the ocean? Um, wow. You know, um, what, what could that mean if you are the ocean? And maybe your little family 
is the ship. If we look at it in a different way, mm. are we talking about what does this mean for your, your sense of control, mm. right? And then there's obviously other things um, that, that you can say to unpack either that vision or that dream for that person. And, uh, and it's not, I don't, in, in terms of dream work, I don't work in, in very rigid ways. Mm. I, see, I see what comes up and what comes up for the client, and if we can then agree, okay, it's this, or it could be multiple other things um, that this dream is communicating. Mm. Yeah, but um, I do get worried when people are not dreaming. <laughs> what does that indicate? A blockage, mm-hmm. a blockage um, of of some sorts. They there has to be some kind of active dream life where there's just the remnants um, of the day or it is actual messages because at night time most of the time um, oh ideal when you're in nature is when we have the least disruption Mm. and when you are more connected spiritually because there's there's none of this that's Mm. happening Mm. so if there's some kind of disconnection and you, you aren't dreaming, why aren't you not mm. dreaming? Or maybe there's some repressed material. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, so dreams are very important. Similihle, thanks so much for being here, for sharing just your, your own experiences and your wisdom and just your, your energy with us today. Um, it's so interesting to me how... I'm also aware of how the room is feeling and how the room is just feeling different, um, which which creates that awareness with me. Um, also just of, I don't know, our experience in, in, as human beings, um, sharing these things with each other, learning. Um, I feel really calm <laughs> compared to usually. I feel almost like, I, I feel like I've been able to really kind of cut off okay this is what I need to ask and this is where I need to get to and just be in this in this moment with you so thanks so much for being here and for sharing this with me and with everyone else thank you um we do have our notes right um but also for for spirit for spirits to come through and for divinity to come through you have to flow like water mm. and and kind of just let what needs to happen happen mm. so that we speak from a, a place of, of genuineness um, truth and and love mm. and that we're not missing out other things that we should be communicating to each other and whoever's um, listening mm. to us mm. yeah thank Thanks you so much <laughs> all right If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe on your desired platform. I will be so grateful if you're willing to take the time to rate this podcast so that you can continue to learn more about various topics related to your mental health and well-being.